Hi, welcome to another episode of the Wilkin & Gutton Plan Podcast, The Balance Sheet Breakdown. Today, we're going to be talking about the impacts that certain 401ks will see as a result of the implementation of the SECURE Act 2.0 of 2022. I'm Chris Frederick, a partner with the firm, and joining me today is Valerie Thorpe, a manager with our audit department, and she's really one of the key uh, leaders of our firm's 401k audit practice. So Val, thanks for joining me this month. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and so, so right now we're kind of in the heart um, of our 401k audit season, and so these kind of technical aspects and, and law changes are something that we're going to be discussing with many of our clients over the next couple months. So before we start thinking about the SECURE Act of 2022 and how that maybe affects plans going forward, can we talk maybe a minute about SECURE Act I'm going to call it 1.0. Um, what are some of the current rules? Yeah, we've got the SECURE Act of 2019. This was effective for 2020. So really the aim here was just to increase 401k plan coverage and just overall savings. Um, so some of the key provisions, you know, I'll start with some for the plan sponsors. So the biggest one, I think, is increased penalties for failure to file. So this is filing those Form 5500s. Okay. So this is under the code. They increase those penalties. It was $25 per day late up to a max of $15,000 penalty. So do the math, it's about 600 days that you can be late. They increased that to $250 a day with a max of $150,000. That's a big difference. That's (laughs) a big difference. No small peanuts there. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, pretty big impact. They kept to the 600 days, but you know, just Yeah, listen, $150,000, that's a big dollars. For sure. Just to note the ERISA penalties, they did not change. So they could be as much as 2,200 per day late. There is no cap there. So that remains the same. Another impact for Secure 2019 on our plan sponsors. So they couldn't use prepaid credit cards anymore or other similar devices to distribute loans to participants. So if I take a loan from my 401k, used to be able to do that prepaid credit card. Uh, Can't do that anymore. I think the fact that you could take it on a prepaid credit card was a little bit interesting in, in itself. Yeah, I gotta say, not many plans do that yeah. or, or did that, but yeah, interesting right. little tidbit. It was permitted. <laughs> um, and then another one, uh, tax credit increases for small businesses. These are small businesses up to 100 employees. They had a, a limit of greater than either $500 or the lesser of $250 times the number of non-highly compensated employees or a max of $5,000. So basically, you can either get a $500 credit or if you had more than two non-highly compensated employees, you get a credit up to $5,000. And that credit was available for three years. And so again, kind of what you started with, it's all aimed at increasing participation in, in offering these sorts of plans. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Giving the plan sponsors a little bit of incentive to get their participation up. They also had another credit available, additional $500. Um, and this was for either new or existing 401ks if they put an auto enrollment feature in. And that was available for the first three years that that auto en- enrollment feature was effective. Then there was a couple of provisions uh, under Secure 2019 for Safe Harbor 401k plans. Um, so one, Safe Harbor uh, notice requirement was eliminated. So that's kind of nice. Plan sponsors didn't have to worry about that. They could also elect a 3% non-elective contribution up to 30 days before the end of the plan year. So they didn't have to decide earlier on. They can kind of wait until later in the year. To and see then, how their year was. And if they want to yeah. have a, an elective contribution, they can, Absolutely. they can do that. Yeah, they then had the option for it. And then also the default limit for Qualified Automatic Contribution Arrangements, so QACA Safe Harbor 401ks, they increased that from 10% to 15%. So again, just allowing a little bit more savings. Right, more money to be pushed into these retirement plans. Exactly. That's a lot for maybe what what impacted the companies that that had these plans. What Mm -hmm. sort of impact would maybe me as an individual participant have felt from, from that 2019 law? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest one that everyone's talking about, and we're going to see some more changes coming from Secure 2.0, was the required minimum distribution age. So Secure 2019 increased that age from 70 and a half to 72. So as a participant, if I attained age 70 and a half after December 31st, 2019, I now had to wait until 72 for those required minimum distributions. Okay. Another one, uh, so post-death distributions from defied contribution plans or IRAs, our individual retirement accounts, were required to be made by the end of the 10th calendar year following death. So before this, um, if someone you know passed away, you know their beneficiaries would get those distributions over the life of the beneficiary, essentially. This changed it to 10 years. Right. So kind right. of- They're saying you can't, we're not gonna let you hold this for 30, 40 years. That's Absolutely. Just, the person passes away, let's wrap these things up. Exactly, yep, over 10 years. You know, there are some exceptions as always, um, but generally they, they shorten that up. Yep. And then another big one for participants. So part-time employees actually had some, some eligibility now. So before this, you had to work a minimum of 1,000 hours a year, okay. attain age 21, Secure 2019 actually reduced it to 500 hours per year. If you work that in three consecutive years, you are now eligible to participate hmm. in the plan. That's interesting, and that's me as a as a participant allows me to start saving for my retirement earlier. As if I'm working exactly. part time, if I'm in college or something, and I I might be able to get access to yeah. my employer's 401k plan where I previously couldn't. Right. Yeah, definitely reflective of what we've been seeing in the marketplace. Yeah. One other feature for our participants, they were allowed penalty-free distributions up to 5000 for expenses related to either the birth or adoption of a child. So typically before, there were very few you know, distributions, early distributions yep. you could take penalty-free. Now this just allowed them to take an additional distribution. That's great. I mean, so you know, it's, uh, they're letting me start earlier, right? Yep. Um, giving me some more flexibility, giving me a little bit more access to the cash for some you know, milestone life events, mm-hmm. d- delaying how the RMDs come into effect as maybe everybody right. stays in the workforce longer and longer. Yep. So what is Secure Act 2.0 and when was it effective? Yeah, so Secure 2.0 uh, became law December 29th, 2022. Um, so again, just further trying to get more people in the workforce to be saving for retirement. Um, and then they're also, again, acknowledging plan sponsors need incentive. And there's a lot of you know opportunities for new plans to come into play here as well. Effective date, all over the place. So we've got, you know, basically <laughs> from 2023 to 2025, most of the provisions. Uh, there are almost 100 provisions in Secure 2.0. Wow. Um, so, but generally 2023 to 2025, we'll see these become effective. So some of them are, are already in effect right now. Um, there is one late one coming in January 1st, 2033. Okay, 2033. Exactly, wow. 10 years. A decade. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, Thinking ahead. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I feel like as often as, as rules change, laws change, right? we, we went from 1.0 to 2.0 in, in three years. Right. You know, who knows where we'll be in another decade. Yeah. It sounds like this, you know, Secure Act 2.0 impacts both those contributing to plans and the sponsors themselves, which is much like right. 1.0, right? Mm-hmm. So is that is that maybe correct? Or everybody's kind yeah. of getting another litany of changes? Yeah, 100%. So it definitely impacts both the plan sponsors, you know, that's our employers with existing plans or anyone considering new plans. I think primarily, you know, small business owners are seeing the biggest impact here. There's a lot geared towards our small business owners. Um, You know, it's important to point out because a lot of the small business owners may be shying away from starting new plans. They may, you know, see the startup costs and not want to take that hurdle. Um, But some of these incentives hopefully will be enough for them to consider it now and we might see a lot more plans coming into play. I mean, listen, I think in line with with the first Secure Act, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about more and more folks saving for retirement earlier. 
what what would you say are some of the provisions of the Secure Act 2.0? That maybe it affects both plan sponsors and individual participants. You know, for 1.0, we started with plan sponsors. Maybe let's start mm -hmm. there again. Yep, sure. Yeah. So again, there's almost 100 of these. I am not going to go into all, yeah, all 100, but you know, let me keep it succinct. Uh, so there's some auto enrollment changes. So any new plans now must auto enroll their participants. Well, at they a must. Minimum. Must. Interesting. Yeah, requirement. Yep. So they have to start at at least three percent. They can go up to ten percent. Wow. But definitely for new plans, no more no more option there. And then each year thereafter, they have to increase it by one percent, and that's until a minimum of ten percent. So if you start your you know participants at three percent, you got to keep going up until you hit at least ten, and you can go up to fifteen. That's a huge change. Yeah. Again, obviously the the goal here is that. If it's a more automated way of, of saving for retirement where the participants don't have to do anything and right. the responsibility is on the, on the plan sponsor, you're just going to get more and more folks saving money quicker. Absolutely. Earlier. Yep, absolutely. Wow. So uh, this is uh, effective for um, any plans after December 29th, 2022. So again, when Secure 2.0 came into play, any plans before that are grandfathered. Um, and then, of course, there are exceptions, as always. Um, mm -hmm. So some of those exceptions are small businesses with 10 or fewer employees. Um, any new businesses that haven't been in play for more than three years, um, and then church plans and governmental plans. Those are the Right, exceptions. so this isn't something we're going to see any of our existing clients, but as new businesses are formed and new plans are put in place going into the future, that there should really be quite a few people who are going to have this auto-enrollment with up yeah. to 10, 15 percent. That's that's a significant yeah. portion of compensation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as you know, it's existing plans are seeing this come into play. They may put, you know, those auto enrollment yep. features into place and kind of mimic this. It's funny you say that there's a, a few clients we have. There's a manufacturing one that comes to mind that uh, already has an auto enrollment mm -hmm. plan um, in place voluntarily. Yep. And the quantity of uh, of their staff who didn't elect out of the auto enrollment is really high, right? So that mm -hmm. there really right. is a lot of people who are benefiting from these sort of auto enrollment plan types. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to note, this is not effective until plan years beginning after December 31st, 2024. Okay. So big provision, but right, right. little it, ways away. Yeah. As, the, as you're developing new plans, you have time to ease into it and get it up and going. It's not a, oh, January right. 1, eight days after the law yep. was passed, you've got to all of a sudden exactly. flip it. Yep. Um, so another one for plan sponsors. So um, again, kind of mimicking what we're seeing in the marketplace, you know, they have an option now to match student loan repayments. So employers can say, yep, I'm gonna make matching contributions on qualified student loan payments. Um, and this is effective for contributions made for plan years after December 31st, 2023. You know, I, I feel like the student loan payment one is one that's been talked about a lot. Like, like that's one I know I've read about, like people who are early in their career or, or um, you know, working with their budget, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are situations where, where you're deciding between paying the student loans and maybe you're unable to contribute to the 401k. Right. But to know that employers can still make those matching contributions based on, you know, me satisfying my other obligations about getting more money into individual retirement accounts um, and 401ks uh, for, for everyone's eventual retirement. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. We're definitely seeing a lot of younger folks like we talked about coming into play. So when, you know, if they're part-time workers, they can now start participating. And then, you know, they got some student loans, more incentive. Yep. Let's yep. get them in yep. there. Um, and then, you know, for plan sponsors as well, there's some additional tax credits available. Uh, so new plans, the tax credits are increasing from 50% to 100% for those contributions. Uh, this is for employers up to 50 employees. So again, really looking at those small businesses. Right. Well, and, and, that's, and that's what you said earlier, right? It's about incentivizing those smaller employers. Because uh, listen, Coca-Cola has a 401k plan, right? right. Like, like the monster <laughs> right. corporations, that's not who we're really targeting. There's right. 
you know, there's hundreds of millions of people employed by these, you know, small mm-hmm. small businesses. Yeah. And so having, you know, additional tax credits to offset some of the cost really makes a difference. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And going from 50% to 100%, I mean. It's significant. Right. Exactly. Um, there's also an additional credit available uh, for employer contributions with a per employee cap of $1,000. So this is a phase out. So this is going to get phased out when you have between 51 and 100 employees, and then it is reduced over a five-year period until year six, no more yep, credit. Right. So again, it's do it today. We'll, yep. we'll help offset the mm-hmm. cost. Yep. And like you said, I mean, who knows when Secure 3.0 is going to come exactly, into play. Exactly. So. <laughs> right. 2020, 20, you know, 2025. Who knows? We'll yeah. see. And then another credit available. So military spouse credit. So again, this is for small businesses that employ military spouses and allow those spouses to participate in their own plans. So the credit is the sum of it's $200 and then you get up to an additional $300. It's 100% of employer contributions. So max credit of 500. You start with 200 and then with those employer contributions you get that up to 300 so nice little incentive there to allow additional participation right it encourages hiring you know military military spouses Mm -hmm. uh, and then hey some additional additional tax credit helps to pay for it so i mean honestly a lot of things when we talk about changes to plan sponsors like it's it's really clear how these affect me as a participant yes and so are there any other changes maybe that affect participant only that have no real change on the sponsor side that are just participant driven so, you know, interesting way of, of questioning it. So, yes, there are certainly provisions that, that impact the participants, but, you know, obviously the plan sponsors, they have to be aware of them because they have to make sure they're implementing them, yep. them properly. First and foremost, let me go back to the required minimum distribution age. We're here again. Secure 2019 made a change. Secure 2.0 making another change. <laughs> so we're going now from age 72 to 73. And this was effective January 1st, 2023. So this is already in effect now. So once again, if you didn't meet that required you know, age of 72 before this, now you're waiting another year. Yep, right, until they start kicking the money out. You can, and, you, you yep. can let it grow in your 401k, mm-hmm. which I mean, we can argue about the age, what, right? But, but it's, to me, with, with people living longer and, and working longer, yes. The fact that you know these RMDs don't kick in right away makes, to me, makes a bunch of sense, right? To say, hey, if if you feel so inclined that you want to work into your seventies, mm-hmm. by all means, yeah. right? Your retirement account will still be there for its intended purposes in your retirement. We're not going to start handing right. out cash. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know we talked about a little bit. You know, another change coming ten years from now. It's the required minimum distribution age. We're going to bump it up to 75 now, so another 10 years. Yep, it, it, I'm sure it's all. I'm sure there's an actuary out there somewhere that has a life expectancy table. Yep, and um, that's just certainly the the direction it seems as though we're going. You exactly. Know, you live longer, you work longer, and your money has to last you longer in retirement. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, there's reduced penalties for failure to take those required minimum distributions at, you know, the the appropriate time. Um, So this is effective again now. It's for taxable years beginning after December 29th, 2022. Uh, So they reduce those penalties from 50% down to 25%. So if you don't exactly get it right, you know, they're giving you a little bit of leeway here. It doesn't sting quite so bad. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, And they do say, you know, if you correct it timely, uh, then it'll be even even further reduced down to a ten percent penalty. So right, which which is much much more palatable compared to fifty percent once right. and done. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and then another provision for our participants: uh, higher four hundred one k catch up contributions. So first piece of this um, for highly compensated employees. So right now it's stated at one hundred and forty five thousand. If you earn more than one hundred and forty five, you're highly compensated. Okay. That's going to be indexed for inflation, so that will change. Um, but right now, if you are highly compensated, when this goes into effect, you have to make those catch-up contributions on a Roth basis. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah, so no no more choice to say whether right, you want right. it, you know, Squirrel pre-tax. Squirrel all the money out pre-tax mm-hmm. and wait for retirement. And then, you know, the con- the catch-up contribution limit is also increased um, to the greater of either $10,000 or 50% more than the regular limit. So, like, right now, 2023, $7,500 limit. So it would be 50% more than that or $10,000 in this case. Um, and this is for individuals who have ob- obtained ages 60 to 63. Right, and well, and, and so the highly compensated yeah. um, contributions being all being all Roth, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, increase it as much as you want, right? You're paying all the tax right. kind of today anyway. Mm-hmm. I understand you get the tax-free appreciation. So, yep. to me, it almost makes a little bit of sense that they raise maybe what that contribution limit is, right? If it's post-tax dollars, right? It's it's like a you know a bit of a give and take. Exactly. Yep. And this um, again, it, you know the. The 145,000, it's going to be indexed for inflation after 2025. So that's when they'll start increasing that amount. And this provision is effective for taxable years beginning after December 31st, 2024. So, so, so it's one of the later ones, but yep. it's coming. It's coming, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, you know, another change for our part time employees. So Secure 2019 brought a nice change there for eligibility. We've got another change coming here. So, where Secure 2019 said, you know what, if you do 500 hours in three consecutive years, you can become eligible. Secure 2.0 now brought that down to two years. So now again, you, you become eligible faster. Right. So all those new plans, it's it's all yes. about getting more money yep. into 401ks. Right. Exactly. Yep. And this is not effective until after December 31st, 2024, either. So a little bit of time to adjust there. When we start talking about these five, this 500-hour changes. Is, is this applicable to existing plans, or does this really only affect newly implemented plans, say post-2023 or 2024? So I believe this is across the board. Okay. Yeah, so this is not just for new plans. This is just eligibility for participants going forward. Okay, so yeah. you know, I'm sure everyone's TPAs are on top of it. And I think to your point, mm-hmm. it's, it's, hey, if, if there's a change on who's eligible and when, mm-hmm. let's not wait till January 1, 2025 to, to, to know that. Let's, let's get right. that. Let's get our plan in place today to make sure that we can, yeah. you know, that all these folks who are eligible to, to participate in our plan, that, yeah. we, that we've gotten them in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then for our participants, there's also, um, you know, another emergency withdrawal eligibility. So we're talking distributions here. So before we talked about Secure 2019 allowing for some additional distributions penalty-free, this Secure 2.0 brings some more penalty-free distributions. So there's a 10% tax on any you know, emergency distributions before this. Now they're getting rid of that 10%. So if you have an unforeseen or immediate financial need, you know, for something personal, a family emergency, you can now take that penalty free. Um, so again, just allowing a little bit more flexibility with how you're using yeah. your money. Well, and to me, that motivates me as a participant to to want to put more money aside to know that right. that hey, if I have a family emergency, whatever right. that may be, right, I, I have access to my funds without their incurring a penalty. Right. We're in, yeah. in the past, you know, until you reach you know the retirement age, it was significant penalties for almost anything. So mm-hmm. so exactly. if you tell me that I can get to my money for those emergencies, right. that's one less excuse for me not to contribute more to, to my employer's plans as soon as I'm eligible. Yeah, that's a great point. This is, you know, my, my rainy day fund. Exactly. Right, so. right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and I'm not I'm not gonna use it to buy a new TV. Right. 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 It's, right. it's like an yeah. honest rainy day fund that's it's there if I need it for those emergencies. Yeah. But otherwise it's it's appreciating in value and, and there for my right. retirement. Yeah. You talk a lot about changing dates, 2023, mm-hmm. 2024, 2033. So what can be done today to maybe make sure that our clients 
of these plan sponsors are prepared for these changes. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's in the height of 401k season now. So some may have filed already. Some may be filing by, you know, July 31st. Some may be waiting until the October 15th deadline. Um, but we're all in the midst of it right now. So, you know, as plan sponsors are completing those filings, checking over their forms, doing their due diligence, they're working with their auditors. They're working with their third-party administrators, yep. their TPAs. So they should really be discussing, at a minimum, the 2023 provisions to make sure their TPAs have it handled compliance exactly yep and you know plan sponsors you know they have to make sure that they're doing their job checking that that this is all implemented properly um, there are a handful of other 2023 provisions that we didn't go over yet, so I will extremely high level just just <laughs> right. mention what they give are. Us a couple, give us a couple, give right? Us, not yeah. all hundred, right? You said yeah. there's a hundred, but you certainly haven't touched on anywhere near a hundred. Yeah. So give us a couple. Yeah. So there is a new deferral deadline for sole proprietors. Um, so you know, again, you know, someone who's got their own business can now be participating in a plan. Okay. So yep. so they have to know about that. Um, there's Roth matching and non-elective contributions. So a participant can elect for their matching contributions from employers to now be on a Roth basis as well. Um, there are some hardship distribution changes. So participants can actually self-certify those hardship distributions. Uh, there's also disaster distributions available up to $22,000 for any disasters occurring on or after January 26, 2021. Okay. So backdating that a little yeah. bit, but they can use it now. Um, there's also penalty-free early distributions to individuals with a terminal illness available. Um, there's also qualified birth or adoption distributions. Uh, there's amended recontribution period. So for those distributions, they can maybe now take penalty free to recontribute that money into their plan. There's been a change. Um, and there is a retroactive application part of that provision as well. Um, unenrolled participant notices are also no longer required if certain conditions are met by the plan sponsors. Um, so again, just a requirement not yep, to have right, to do right. some it's, additional it's like paperwork. It's an administrative uh, <laughs> right. burden that's exactly. gone. And then, you know, recovery of overpayments. So plan sponsors can elect instead of trying to get those overpayments back from participants, they can elect to, you know, treat that now as a rollover eligible amount. Okay. Um, and then uh, expansion of the employee plans compliance resolution system. So this is the self-correction. So and I'm a plan sponsor. I realize I made an error with, with accounting for the plan. Yep. I can do, you know, have a couple more options for self-correcting that. Obviously, a lot of the rules in place now are kind of the, the final implementation of that kind of what I've been calling 1.0, and, and as we're getting more into 2.0, uh, it really is clear what, what the overall intent here is, right? It's not about being a burdensome obligation to sponsors. It's about right. um, the facilitation of more money in the plan. I think I think one of the ones you mentioned about, you know, ways to correct over contributions mm -hmm. to just hey, hang on to them to next year. Yep. What a simple way to do it as right. opposed to the what was the alternative of, like you said, getting that money back and, yeah. and processing it back through a subsequent payroll and Yep. You know, listen, hey, this is uh, a nice, easy way to do it. And the fact that there's some changes to some of the self-correction procedures in place, it makes it much more palatable for sponsors to invest in these in these sorts of plans. Because, right. you know, there are some administrative uh, obligations that, that, that come with them. Um, and so, so with that, Val, any maybe final thoughts on your side as we look to wrap it up? Yeah, so again, a lot of changes came from Secure 2019 and now Secure 2.0. So just reiterating to really work with the TPAs, work with the accountants, 
to make sure that 2023 provisions are being followed and just be aware of what's coming. You know, it, particularly right now, we're concerned about the required minimum distribution yep. age change. You know, there's potential election of Roth matching and non-elective contributions. Yep. That's a change. Different withdrawals are available now. You can get some more distributions available um, and changes with the penalties, you know, options for correcting those plans. That's all here now. So that's all stuff that we need to be aware of for sure. And then just with everything coming down the pipeline in the future, you know, there's just a lot that we have to wrap our hands around, make sure that we're implementing properly. Right. And those TPAs and the accountants, us, you know, we're here to help and, you know, can certainly help guide, you know, through all of those provisions. For sure. I mean, and, and to your point, right, most of the TPAs that we work with, I'm sure, are, are on top of a lot of these changes. Yeah. But how far have they, you know, communicated up and down the channel? Because ultimately, right. the responsibility is on the sponsor. And right. so, so, so to your point, um, making sure that we're, you know, reading all those emails from our TPAs yeah. and the and yeah. and from a shameless plug to our emails, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to, you know, just just working to make sure that that um, all these changes are at least on your radar. Exactly. It's, it's to me, a, a great takeaway. Right. Uh, well, Val, I really appreciate you taking some time uh, sitting down with us this month. You know, obviously, as we're implementing these changes from from the first uh, Secure Act and now with Secure Act 2.0, they are pretty significant. I certainly picked up quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And so this wraps up another episode of The Balance Sheet Breakdown. I'm Chris Frederick, helping you make sense of the numbers.